0: Hey, this is Sharon. And it's Trey. And today we're sharing a quick look into my life, who I was, where I am, and where I hope to be. Maybe you can relate.
1: All right, let's get straight into it.
0: So one of the reasons I believe that the uh, black family is so fragmented, uh, when I was growing up in the late 60s and early 70s, um, my grandmother was raising us, she had about six kids in the house, Uh, three of hers and three of her grandchildren at this particular time. And she was doing this by herself with the limited resources. Um, Her education level, I believe, was eighth grade. So she could only do, you know, jobs offered to her would be uh, housekeeping things like that. So she wasn't able to really make a living to support, uh, six children. So she had welfare and she got food stamps and any type of government assisted programming she, she signed up for. Um, we would go to garage sales. She would get our clothes at, you know, every Saturday we'd probably go to a garage sale to try to find some clothes or, you know, something like that. But, um, I remember something that sticks with me even today. I couldn't figure out what was going on then because I was just a child. But in my community, there was about five houses that needed to be condemned, but we were living in them. Uh, On today's um, market, these houses would immediately be taken down, but that was all the housing that they could afford. And uh, I would look around, and what was missing out of all the five houses, there was no, no father figure, there was no husband. And there was uh, one mother I'm raising, she had three girls, there was no, no dad. There was another lady, she was raising some of her children and her grandchildren, there was no dad. Uh, in our house, my grandmother was raising six children, there was no dad. Um, and that was the common thread throughout this community. I'm like, where's the dad at? Mm -hmm. And, uh, so there was, there was a lady that would come to our house and we called her the welfare lady. Mm -hmm. And what she would do if you were receiving this monthly check from the government, back then they called it, um, assisted family... Oh, I'll have to think of it. But anyway, you get this monthly check and these food stamps based on how many kids you had in the house and they determine how much support they would give you. But this was the deal. You could not have a man living in your house. So my grandmother, she had to make a choice if she wanted to be able to support these kids or if she could get married and have a husband And Mm. if she got married and had a husband, then they would stop the support. Mm -hmm. And for thinking back then, and and jobs were really difficult. We're talking about the late 60s and the early 70s, even, you know, right before the civil rights movement, before Martin Luther King is killed. We're talking those times when jobs were not just readily available for black people. Mm. So... When you make a decision like that, you got to think, how am I going to be for sure able to feed these kids? So a lot of times, I didn't know this, that these women were having to make that type of decision, and the man couldn't stay there because they would actually have a person come to your house and, and look for signs of a man. And if they determined that you were lying or you had a man in and out your house, they would stop your funding.
1: Why was that rule where if, if they found a man, nah, like what's the point of that? Like
0: They felt like he should be able to support the family. We're not going, they would not support a man. They would not. And those, that was so true. I remember about 10 years ago because I can still remember the lady that used to come to our house. And about 10 years ago, I ran into this lady at a funeral. It was so, it rised up in me. I thought, that's that lady that used to come to my grandmother's house to make sure there was no signs of a man living there.
1: Oh, so there was a designated person that would like, like a restaurant person who will come and look at your kitchen and make sure it's clean.
0: Right. Right. So Actually, this is the system that our United States government deemed. Okay. So what we're going to do, we're going to help you as a family with dependent kids. You can come down here and apply for what was called welfare. Mm -hmm. And based on the amount of kids, we're going to give you a check each month to help support you and these kids. If you cannot work and back then my grandmother couldn't work because number one, she, there was no job for her to get that would help her manage, you know, paying rent, trying to support all these kids. So she qualified for this support
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, but the deal was you can't have a man and she could not be married.
1: I'm jumping ahead, but that changed, right? Yes. Do you know when?
0: No. Not during the time I was on welfare.
1: Because I, I never heard of that.
0: It is so true. And a lot of people had n- never knew this. I witnessed it. It's right. not anything I'm sure they're proud of. Because I'm sure looking back, they go, what was we thinking? And why was this okay? To go in someone's house and make sure that their family is fragmented.
1: Do you think it was more so they were making, because that's that's where you start saying, oh, that's evil. Like, that almost sounds like. The system was, welfare was implemented to break the family up. Yeah. But is that the case, though? Like, because I don't know how it actually started when the government or whoever was like, okay, look, we have these communities. I don't know where it goes from there. Like, it how did, how did it even start? i guess i need to look at the origins of
0: absolutely absolutely so welfare i would have to go back and actually research welfare we grew up on welfare and a lot of people don't know the rules to welfare back then um especially if you weren't impacted by it because there were thriving families most of those families that were thriving were white families Uh, You gotta remember that a lot of the people were like my grandmother. They didn't have the opportunity to go to school. Uh, A lot of the jobs they did were on the farm, and it was very difficult for them to get jobs back then. Um, They just wasn't as plentiful as they are now. The resources, limited. Um, And so even, so you gotta remember, Like a person like my grandmother that was taking care of us, born in 1921, they were still burning black people out of their homes and their resources. A lot of bad things were still happening to black families. And it was a lot of separation happening with black families, and the government was playing a really big part in it. Because, I mean, because when you think about how evil the welfare system was, not only it was twofold it was one it did break up families and then it also on another hand could make you very uh dependent upon the government like you know this is where i get my bread and butter is what they wanted you to they felt like they were your daddy if you will
1: do you do you do you place any blame on whoever the dad was In general, just I don't know if I want to say men or I definitely don't want to specify and say black men, but we are talking about the black family. Yeah. So is there any blame? Is there any. Is there any role that you see that they played in that whole?
0: No, I don't blame the black man and I don't blame the black woman because I'm trying to go back into their world. I can't imagine the stress that they dealt with day to day. It had to be like just really too much.
1: And what type of stress exactly?
0: Um, Just the very fact of, you know, being able to apply to go to a school to get educated or even to go into the military or just try to, you know, to do something positive. People wanted to support their families, of course, but our system made it very difficult for the black family for sure Uh, because we basically started with zero. And um, because this country was ran by white people, a lot of times, even just applying for a job was no, 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 no. You couldn't even get a job to take care of yourself because before we were really invited into the workforce, being able to get jobs that paid us, remember we worked for free, it's something called slavery. We went from slavery, to trying to be in this free world and now even though we were set free now what where do we get jobs who's going to pay us when they wanted us to work for free that wasn't an easy transition for those that own slaves and certainly not for the slaves now we got to try to figure out how do we really you know make it what does it mean to be free Mm -hmm. and so We had to go through all that other stuff. That's why we had something called the civil rights movement. Is someone like Martin Luther King out there fighting and saying, you know, we want jobs, we want equality. We want to be treated just like anybody else. And so out of the civil rights movement, you had affirmative action, Mm -hmm. which a lot of people hated because they felt like, oh, you're just giving that person a job because they're black. No, we're having to come into this company and say, you got to hire some black people. You can't just skip you can't just have a workforce the only people you hire are white. Mm-hmm. We need some black people getting hired. And so that's what was called affirmative action and it was needed.
1: Mm. I was about to I was about to ask do you was there any time whether you were on or off of welfare was there any time you noticed the system of welfare did you like it like did you did you like
0: Okay. You know,
1: did you enjoy it?
0: So I hated it because I was so <laughs> embarrassed. So, cause we had food stamps and back then food stamps, they came in a book and they were, came in certain colors. The money, like a $5 bill was purple. A dollar bill was brown. I and do. so you go in the store mm-hmm. and you buy your groceries and you had to tear these food stamps out of this book and you felt like everybody was looking Dang. at you. And so I was always embarrassed when my grandmother would have me go walk up to the store and buy the groceries. I was just thinking, That's
1: really not cool.
0: And uh, sometimes the person working at the cash register would take the book from me, act like I didn't know how to tear them out, but I could tear them out. I was just embarrassed, and so Dang. then that would make me feel even worse. So it's always to me, I was always embarrassed because even so, when you're on low income and you're on welfare. You are able to get like a free lunch. And for us back then, getting a free lunch was embarrassing because they gave you a card. They wanted to make sure they highlighted you in any kind of way to always remind you that you're on the low income side. There was always these little tags that, you know, followed you around to make sure everybody knew you were the low income family. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I hated it and always said, you know, I am not, when I grow up, I'm not gonna be on welfare. Mm -hmm. Well, I came really close to it because as a senior in high school, I got pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I found myself in a really bad place. And I thought, I'm not gonna be able to take care of myself. I am gonna have to go get food stamps. And they had something called HUD. It helped you with your rent. And I thought, I'm gonna be, I'm in the system It's going to happen to me. I know it's going to happen. I was so afraid of having to live off welfare. And so I remember taking some classes, like I'm going to find something to do. I am not going to live on welfare. So
1: we well, we're, cl- were taking classes. I took this.
0: some classes to learn how to use like some office equipment, like, you know, just basic stuff like a cash register, um, An adding machine back then, you know, anything that would equip me to go and work in somebody's office, something Mm. fast. But at that point, I was willing to even work in a hotel cleaning up rooms because that's how bad I didn't want to be on welfare. But when you find yourself with children, you know, those decisions are I got to feed my child. So I can, I don't get mad or upset with people that do get on welfare. I think it's a program that's there to help you out to get from uh, one one place to another. Um,
1: what does that look like as far as the welfare system? What is it, how is it exactly supposed to help a family get from? This is point A, point B, what does point B look like? Okay, point A is you know low income, we don't have enough to support, we don't have enough for groceries. What's the next step? Going back to your situa- or Going the situation. Going back to my was-
0: situation, so what would have helped me
1: not, and I, by your situation, I mean where there's not uh, a male, you know, they come in inspecting your house saying, hey, so what's the next step after that? Do they expect you to be on wef- welfare feeding your kids and then you supposed to find somebody like a male and yeah. then get off welfare? Yeah. Or? So
0: that was the whole thing. If you Once you got married, that's it.
1: But was that the goal? Like did, did the welfare people have an idea about how the family should should develop And they were saying, hey, you can have this money. The goal is for you to do what you need to do. And as a woman with kids, you should be looking for a man to help provide for the house. I'm not saying that. I'm saying is that is that how they were thinking or do they not even think like that? This is just money for you and you do what you know. How are you supposed to come out of that is what I'm asking how did they think you were supposed to come out of that?
0: I don't think they thought that through. I really don't think they they cared. I think they were putting a Band-Aid on a bigger problem that they had created. The problem really went all the way back to slavery. How do you recover from slavery uh, when you have people coming out of slavery that have nothing to start with? You don't have a job you don't have land you have nothing so you're supposed to navigate through that i can't imagine what life was like for people coming out of slavery and having nothing so there had to be some kind people in this world so i'm going to say there's some kind people in this world where they helped people that were coming out of slavery so there were some good people that said you know what this is not right Uh, these are people and we need to help them uh, help themselves and um, so there had to be or we wouldn't be where we are today because we were definitely the minority Uh, there was way more than them and thus the civil war that's what that was really about Mm -hmm. the civil war in this united states killed more people were killed from that war than i think any other war in the country in the world maybe it was a lot of people killed yes we can look that number up a lot of people were killed americans against americans when abraham lincoln decided no more slavery Mm -hmm. well the people down south was like "Mm, you're not gonna tell me what to do with my slaves Mm -hmm. these are mine i bought them so i
1: just didn't know the war was that big i've always and i always say that like I go back to my and i'm not trying to put my my civics teacher out there shout out to them but i never understood i just never took any of that in we were talking about wars and so you would ask me i would you know world war ii world war, but i didn't know the civil war was that mm-hmm. that huge
0: yeah and the reason you don't know is the same reason i didn't know because they don't teach it in the public school wow. a lot of the history of slavery it's not gonna be taught because they feel like it's gonna to make too many people feel bad. But it is our history and it is very, very, very ugly. And I think the more we we know about it, the more we understand a movement like the civil rights movement. You know, even think about the Jim Crow laws down here in South, where black people and white people were not allowed to go to school together. Period. That's called the Jim Crow law. That was real. And so when you talk about the Little Rock Nine, those nine kids that had to have protection to go up those steps at Little Rock High School, that was just in Little Rock. And if you go back and you see how the kids were looking, the white kids were yelling and shouting at them and all they were trying to do was go to school. And they had to have the army the military there to allow these kids to walk up that step and there was like governors saying we will never have black kids at our schools we will never have black kids play football on our teams that's why i just
1: want to be sorry the whole (laughs) way
0: it was crazy but that is what they fought against they were fighting all that stuff That we don't necessarily have to deal with in an overt way. We still deal with the remnants of it. But can you imagine trying to live back then Mm -mm. and facing this kind of junk every day? And they had the power. You were powerless. All you had was your voice and begging, you know, somebody to give you a job. Give me a chance. And then when they did give you a chance, you can best believe you were paid A very few dollars compared to what other people were making. They were not going to pay black people the same amount of money. They were used to black people working for free.
1: Yeah. One thing I was thinking about is. Back, back, back when you were experiencing all of that. When you were a little girl and y'all was on welfare. Is there, did you notice any other black families that. Not not came out of that, but just didn't experience that that was around you that you saw and you knew. Was there any around you?
0: Yeah, there was a black family, I remember. And um,
1: and what did they do? Like, how did they act and all of that?
0: Yeah, they did act different. (laughs) And um, I can remember she was actually her mother was a teacher. And her dad had a job, they had a car, that was a big deal. That's see, that's I hear and, that,
1: and the fact that you say they had a car. Mm-hmm. It's so normal now, but that was probably like another house back then.
0: And her daughter kinda acted like, kinda snooty. And I remember- But why you say
1: snooty though, real quick, cause people say that about,
0: Yeah, I wanna say because she really,
1: People call me snooty, and this, this is, okay. and I feel like that might be for the same reason. But I'm not. I don't okay. feel like I'm snooty. I just, you know what I'm like. I don't even. I know I've been called snooty, but it's because I don't. I guess interact the same. Well, with-
0: no, she really did have like a way about her, because uh, there were other black families that you know had jobs and 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 lived way better than we did. Um, but I remember. And this is how certain things will stick out. Uh, it was her, my grandmother had bought me these shoes at a garage sale and I hated those shoes. They were black velvet shoes <laughs> and they were they were pointed. And I knew that this was gonna be a problem when I wore them to school. I knew oh this was not gonna God. go bad. But she made me wear them to school and that girl <laughs> told me I had on some witch's shoes. And as a kid, I see. I can't even forget that. I think that was like in the sixth grade or something, and tilted his dad. I think was I was it Wizard in the Wizard of head. Oz out yet? Huh? Was the
1: Wizard of Oz out the movie?
0: Yeah, yeah. Because the Wizard of Oz, actually, that movie was made in
1: 1939. So didn't Dorothy have on those? Is it, you talking about Dorothy-esque?
0: No, Dorothy had on a more of a round. They were round. Right. Yeah, and so, but these were. I'll never forget them. They were velvet, and mm. they were pointed. <laughs> and uh,
1: velvet meaning what the outside material crush, you know
0: yeah the outside material and you can rub it and you yeah, can see the yeah
1: it would change colors or, not change yeah, colors. yeah I don't
0: yeah so it got to the point to where I would take them off before I got to school and I would put these other shoes on that I had and uh probably
1: some gym shoes
0: yeah I think there was some little black tennis shoes or something like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just, I didn't wear them anymore, but she made fun of them and it really hurt my feelings because she was one of those popular kids too. You know, she was, ended up being like the first, one of the first black cheerleaders in the area. So that was a really big thing because I don't think the school had ever had any black cheerleaders. And so, you know, and it just seemed that, you know, she really had the life Mm -hmm. and, uh, but Yeah.
1: And this is the same girl that you, when I asked you about, is there anybody else that, you know, that wasn't on welfare, that was a black family? This is the girl that made fun of you? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: And, yeah, there were other, uh, I didn't really know the struggle um, of a lot of kids, what they were really going through. Mm -hmm. You know, my best friend, um, she lost her mom when she was a little girl, probably about five years old. And so she ended up staying with her grandmother, too. But I never heard her really complain about anything to the degree that I did. I guess I was more vocal about it. I think some people think they're disrespecting their family when they talk about you know, the negative parts of it. But I'm not disrespecting or I'm not even trying to dishonor my grandmother. I'm just stating facts, the way things really were. And they really were hard um, for poor kids during my time, um, they just, they were hard. Mm -hmm. And
1: how did it impact you just through life, not having that male model or somebody to support you talk to any of that? How, you know, how did you feel about that? And
0: Mm, that's a good question because you're making me think that, Ooh, back then I never had anybody to go to, uh, to crawl up in their lap and, and share, you know, what I was going through, mm-hmm. uh, male or female. Uh, my grandmother was just too crushed by life and, um, tr- you know, trying to figure everything out. And so, yeah, I'm sure it had a negative impact on me. Uh, trusting men had to be very difficult. Um. And I I do remember talking to God and, and asking him, how come I didn't get to have two uh, parents? Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted a mom and a dad. Can you, can I have a mom and dad? I thought that was really important. And um, I think not having a dad or even an uncle that sometimes will step in and, you know, be that missing piece or, you know, and I never had any of that. So. I think what that does is cause me to have a very um, skewed view of men. Mm-hmm. There's no way I could really relate to them um, in a good way because, I, first of all, I don't know how to trust them. I don't know about them. I don't know their movements. All I know is they are missing in action.
1: Hmm. So, but, So for you to come to that conclusion, did you have any... Just everyday living. How was it with men coming in and out of the house? Did you see them a lot? Yes. Maybe they weren't consistent, but did you see them?
0: Yeah, my grandmother had a friend, a man friend. He had his own home, and he would come and do uh, work around the house for her. I knew they were more than friends, Mm -hmm. but you never got to see really any closeness between the two. It's like, you know, maybe this happened when we were at school but I was aware that they were more than friends. Maybe boyfriend and girlfriend. Mm-hmm. But it was really kept on the, the lowdown. Um, but I saw him as a nice man. Mm-hmm. Um, a Very limited uh, interaction. My grandmother was very... Um, she didn't let us really be around a lot of men also. Mm-hmm. Because something had happened in the family where... Um, she had to watch the girls, yeah. And so um, I had very limited involvement with men because my grandmother didn't trust them. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Also, oh, yeah, I can see where the because I was going to ask you where the mistrust really came from. Like, did it come from an absence or did it come from something you may have seen? But that kind of answers it. If if your grandma already is setting that tone, whereas, mm-hmm. hey, I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm telling y'all what it is. This is, then I can see where the mistrust comes, at least starts from, at least starts from, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but was there anything more, I guess, more as you got older, maybe teenage years, where you kind of started to see life and you could see, maybe you could compare yourself to the other families that had two parents. Did you see a difference in the way, I guess in the resources they had, and because yeah. there, there had to be some families with with, with men around that weren't doing better, mm-hmm. just because that don't that don't yeah they don't automatically make a better situation because you got a man right. around,
0: right? But of course, for me, that was always you know a big deal because they weren't around. So, but yeah, I could see like once kids got into we got into high school. And kids that were allowed to play sports, uh, kids that were allowed to be in the band or make trips, school trips. And then there was the kids that had the vehicles that, you know, drove cars to school and then they could go off campus and eat. And we always had to walk to the cafeteria. So, yeah, there was, you know, life was different and
1: different because you say that and I'm thinking about. I remember taking my girlfriend at the time, <laughs> and I, I have to admit, I was one. I was I was already out of high school. She was a senior. And I remember taking her lunch to school, and mm-hmm. hear you talking about, you know, it was like a very privileged thing to be able to. Oh yeah, you know, eat whatever you wanted to, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. drive. I'm I'm driving. I don't even live in the same city, and I'm drive you. I, I don't mm-hmm. know when it was, but. I don't want to make it seem like I was driving an hour to take her lunch. Yeah. But.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So.
1: Time definite definitely. Ch- I don't even want to use the word change. It's just almost flipped. And I say flipped because it ain't been that many years.
0: Right. Right. So. Yeah. I do want to say that I think the reputation that was put on not just the black man, but the black family was unfairly given to them. And what I mean by that, the black man was looked at being someone that abandoned his family. And that was not always the case. Sometimes his back was not just up against the wall, Mm -hmm. but this black man his back had been beaten and he had been given very little resources to do anything with and he was supposed to to figure it out. Um, So yes, some of us were able to navigate through all that but some of us was just lucky. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of this, stuff that was dumped on some people was just too hard to get out of. You gotta think of all the mental pressure. This is day-to-day combat. This wasn't just, you know, happened to these people every other weekend or whatever. This was their life 24-7. And um, that's why forgiving um, my childhood and feeling like I was not a normal childhood, didn't enjoy it, and and not really um respecting what my grandmother had to do uh for a long time because I was just angry that there was really no 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 love mm-hmm. but she wasn't really afforded that opportunity i mean what was dumped on her was you figure this out and um life was just hard for her and so it trickled down to just everyday life for her. And sometimes, you know, you don't get to enjoy life until the next life.
1: Hmm. And I don't know how to ask this question. And this is hypothetical. If if there was a if we were to google right now just the statistics or the numbers back then, I'm talking about the 60s. The same same okay. So, if if it said that the same number of black males and white males wasn't, left the home, left the family, wasn't around. If the number was the same, what would you attribute the white males leaving their house and their families? What would you have to guess was you know the the main reason that most of them was leaving it could be anything, but I you know obviously, I know the reason for the black male could be traced back to slavery easily
0: I want to say probably for white men was just infidelity uh, that would lead to divorce and um because there was very little ways to reconcile once there was infidelity and typically the man cheating finding him another woman uh they would end up in divorce and pretty much that would be the reason he's he's absent from his family hmm. infidelity
1: yeah i'm just i'm kind of curious about that now i just want to you know i'll look up the numbers later but i wonder what the gap is between how many black males weren't around versus white males, because I just don't, some things are odd to think about for me. Like if I'm just putting my, my naiveness out there, Mm -hmm. when I think about an Asian family, Mm -hmm. I just, you know, it's probably the Asians I've been around. I grew up here in in Fort Smith, great town to be around all types of people, nice people. I'm not saying there's mean people, but it's very nice. So the Asians I know, are very nice
0: and they all probably had mom and dad in the house and probably grandpa and grandma
1: right and so that's why when i picture an asian family uh i can't see now just because i can't see the man uh committing infidelity or cheating or Mm -hmm. whatever doesn't mean it doesn't happen but and that's kind of my point is just i don't i don't really i don't think there's a higher rate of infidelity among black Mm-mm. males. No,
0: no. But to answer your question, why they would be absent from their family, that would probably be the reason is that they decided to get divorced because they had the jobs. Um,
1: Man, I have a good question. All right, right this. And, Go ahead. So we we can take we can take a black male. In this example, just because there, there's probably more to go with it. Uh, so, in regards to them leaving the family for all the various reasons, how much do you think uh, not being able to get a job or having that struggle to get some momentum in life affected their relationship with being consistent with one woman?
0: A lot. A lot because,
1: and is that a legitimate excuse? You know, I, yes. I can feel that, but at the same, I don't want to give them.
0: Yeah, I because wanna... unfortunately, our identity is tied yep. in to what we do. Yeah, and so
1: that's tough. that's
0: that's not, and it shouldn't be true, but it's the truth. I mean, watch and it. so when you feel like, oh no, you're right, that you can't, you know, be a man. Mm-hmm. Um a one night stand is likely what you're looking for because you don't want to go down this road with somebody that is going to reject you because you don't have a job. You don't have what they feel like you should have. And so it's just easier to do one night stands.
1: But then you flip it and it's like, okay, the woman goes through the same thing. Like the woman weren't exempt from slavery or any of the so. But,
0: we have different roles to play. We're the woman, we're the homemaker. We're supposed to, unfortunately back then, it's like, you keep the house. You keep the kids, you keep the house. We really weren't, we didn't have to get out there and hustle up a job, you know, like the man. He was going to be the provider. We were gonna be the caretakers. We took care of everything in the house. Uh, we were gonna cook in the morning, do laundry. Cook uh, dinner Make sure the kids Got to school Make sure they got Picked up from school You know all those Kinds of things We did That was my part To play And then your part Was to play Go out Get the job Get the money And
1: But that doesn't That doesn't mean The the woman doesn't Have those same urges Those same needs If you want to call them You know Like she's She's looking for her Right Her You know So right. And Again, I guess I've never even like talked about it, but how were they not being, not committing infidelity?
0: Oh yeah, they were. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, you know, that came
1: out straight. Like you already, like there
0: was, uh, you know, lots of rumors going on in those little communities. You know, this woman is sleeping with that that woman's husband, and he comes in, comes over her house at midnight. You know, we had some really nosy neighbors. So who left
1: who then? Who left who?
0: Okay, so oh, this is really, you really getting ready to dig up some of these really, like, really? This is what really went on? Now, you take these small communities and you will find out some of these kids are not just cousins. They're actually sisters and brothers because you know, this one man, he hit that house one night, he hit that house another night, and he might have a a wife over in the other community, but these women, yeah, you're right. They, they wanted some company. Yeah. And if it meant sleeping with your husband to have company, then that's, that's what happened. And you would hear these rumors about, yeah, she's sleeping with her husband and his husband and her husband. But yeah. So no, there was stuff going on.
1: So to circle back, why is it often looked at as the male being absent that's that's just the statement is the male was absent.
0: Okay, and the reason for that is because wherever the kids were, and the kids back then were typically always with the mother.
1: and who is that up to?
0: Well, they just felt like the rules, these unwritten rules that kids were better with the mom she was more of
1: when you say the they you talking about i'm who? talking
0: about the society uh-huh. um in and, and uh it was like if someone was gonna have to leave the house it's not gonna be the woman you can't just let her go out there and try to hustle up her job somebody in order to get this welfare check somebody's got to leave this house
1: so how did the how did the how did the families uh back then usually move in together? How did the relationship start How, you know was there a, a common procedure? I know today even I mess it up, I, you know, I'm just coming to a point where I realize, oh, I shouldn't do this before I do that. Was there like a kind of a uh a, a traditional way to okay, boom, you come out of high school,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you meet somebody.
0: Yeah, it was much harder back then because you kinda had to sneak around and do it because there was this sin thing, to live together, you're living in a life of sin. So a lot of people wouldn't even move in together, or at least they wouldn't broadcast it or tell their parents because they were gonna have to deal with the fact that you're living in sin. Um, yeah, and so you just that just didn't happen a lot. And like I said, if it did, you kept it, you know, to yourself, you would pretend that you're not living with this person. Yeah.
1: Just that, just even the, telling somebody they living in sin, is so, it's such a powerful statement. Mm-hmm. It sounds like, oh, like, I don't ever want, <laughs> it, it, it like, it's, like, it's almost like moving in a haunted house. <laughs> like, you don't mm-hmm. want to be in a haunted house, mm-hmm. you don't want to live in sin. Yeah. And that's just.
0: That's the pressure that was on people of my generation.
1: You can't have any fun with that on your it mind. It was
0: horrible living in the Bible Belt. Which, growing up here in down south. Yeah, it's a wonder we have any good sense the way we've been treated.
1: You kind of want to get into it real quick. You think you got to you you want to you want to quickly give the journey from when you when when you. First started and then kind of where you at now, since we kind of just we we, we crept on the God, the religion, the sin yeah, talk,
0: the living in sin.
1: And you kind but, of touched on where you started in the church. Yeah. Uh,
0: well, because that makes people get married. That's not ready for marriage to satisfy the religious part of our lives, you know, because your mom and dad certainly are not going to tell their friends, hey, by the way, my daughter's living with this guy. You know, she's just this little Sally that grew up in church because no, she's got to get married. And she, does, she doesn't want to marry this guy. I'm just living with him, having some fun right now. Or we're, we're splitting costs here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you couldn't even do that. If you said, well, I'm living with this guy, we're going to share the expenses because it's easier to manage. Nope. It was just not going to be uh, had, no. You had either get married or live by yourself. That was the options. And so, yeah, the Bible belt was really, uh, it's tough. It has a lot of rules, a lot of rules, Mm -hmm. but when you are growing up in that, that's all, you know, so you think it's normal Mm -hmm. and to show you how long it takes to come out of that, I'm 60 and I'm just now coming out of this system this all this stuff that was heaped on top of our heads do this don't do that do this and never really being taught the love of God but always being taught the fear of God and Mm. you do right and and that's the end of the story so they have all these rules for you to follow and you really end up living a very confused and I've always said my life was miserable because the, the inside of me is what was going on You know, just all types of confusion because I could never, I could never live up to that standard. I could, I was always constantly missing the mark because, you know, after all, I grew up in church and never experienced a relationship till I was 17. And then when I, that first experience in a relationship at 17, I get pregnant. I'm not married. Mm. So... And I didn't want to get married. I didn't want to marry this person and I didn't marry that person. And so God wasn't happy with me. My church people wasn't happy with me and to make God happy. I was supposed to marry this person that I didn't want to marry.
1: Was this before you was 20 or after
0: this is, I, I was pregnant. I had my first child, I was almost 18 years old. I was actually 17 because that child was born March, 1980, and I turned 18 May, 1980, and I graduated from school May, 1980. I actually had my first child um, two months before I was gonna graduate from high school. Mm. So being pregnant, oh, that was a whole different, the way people looked at me. Right before then, if you got pregnant and you were still in school, they used to send you to another place. You couldn't even go to public school because they didn't want pregnant girls walking around.
1: So you Uh, was dealing with multiple discriminatory type of, at the same time.
0: Absolutely. And I remember one time someone was staring at me and I just took in my shirt, my belly was so big. And I just took and raised my shirt up like, that's what you want to see, <laughs> uh, because I I was so sick and tired of the looks. Yeah, and I, there was probably three of us in a class of five hundred um, that was actually pregnant that year. And so I don't know what they experienced, but for me, it was like it was it was hard. But I was determined that I wasn't going to drop out of school.
1: Mm-hmm. That
0: I was going to finish school somehow. I was going to finish. Um, and I took two weeks. I had my baby. I was out of school for two weeks. And um, I jumped right back in there because I was like, I'm gonna finish school. Um, so no matter what people think about me. Yeah. And I even went back to school a little bit too soon because I still had situations going on from, I just had a baby and mm. you know, your body doesn't go right back to normal. And so I was dealing with all the stuff my body was going through and I'm trying to sit in a classroom and, and focus. Yeah. And, you know, instead of being home breastfeeding my baby, there's milk
1: flowing oh, through my shirt.
0: I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh, man, is this milk coming out of me right now? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm in the English class. Right. And I'm thinking, yep, it is. Oh, so, you know, I was just, you know,
1: and here I am about to have an anxiety attack because Coach then told us we got to run a mile this week, (laughs) only one. And that ruined my whole week. Every time we had to run a mile, hated it. And you, you, but I, I did, I wanted to, I wanted to ask, was there any time that you between, I guess, you know, whatever, you know, 20 or whenever, whenever really, that you just was in love with Christianity, God, you know, whatever you described it as, but you just felt like, man, I love this. It got it got you high for real. Like you loved it. Like you, maybe no. you didn't like the church you were going to, but at least, no, you felt no,
0: no. But there was times I was loyal, committed, because I thought at the end of this, it's going to be worth it that I am doing. But I the feel like right. that
1: would produce some type of
0: no. I didn't start, I didn't fall in love, it's been about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Prior to everything else that I've experienced, and I've been in a lot of different denominations, I've heard some good music, I've heard some good preaching, I've heard some good teaching, but it all became just, you know, just something I did, felt like it was a good thing to do that it was gonna give me good standing with God. It was gonna give me good standing in the community. People are gonna see us as that good Christian family. Uh, I'm gonna be able to pass on some good values to my children. They're gonna see me committed to my husband, see me committed to God, and good things are gonna happen for us. Mm -hmm. I thought, this this has gotta be the right way. But to ask me if I loved it, no. And I tell you the reason I think I never fell in love with it because it wasn't real.
1: But you don't always know that when you're going through it. So that's
0: true. You may not know it, but something in you does.
1: Like what?
0: I think the core.
1: Because that could just be doubt. The
0: core of who you are never goes away, even if you never acknowledge it. It's there. The core of who you are is always there and you may never ever get to acknowledge that on this side now there there will be a time that you are everyone's gonna know who they are and I know who I've been told to be I know who I've been told to act like I was and but I never knew who I was and so I just never fell in love with the phony. I just participated, and but
1: so how, so how do you distinguish between you know what you call what's what's real and when you I, when you you know you you going with it but you don't feel like it's real? Mm-hmm. How you say it? Mm-hmm. Because I could there's there's other examples like what about a relationship? Yeah with someone else, you know. Yeah. You could, you can look back and be like, "Oh, that wasn't real." But you don't say that. You there's no way you would say All of them that.
0: were real, but what were they the realness of them, what did they represent? Mm-hmm. Some of them represented just, you know, lust. Some of them represented, you know, something in common. We both like basketball. I like talking to this person. Uh there was different parts of it, you know, what made that person attractive at that particular time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can say one of the most attractive things about my husband now is the fact that I did have two children when he met me. And the way he interacted with my little girl Mm -hmm. was very attractive. I thought, Mm -hmm. yeah. gonna be a daddy (laughs) (laughs) so that that was very important and so he was he was very childlike yeah so
1: so what, what part do you feel like you you enjoyed about your uh religious journey what what even though if you felt like it wasn't all the way real what part did you enjoy whether it be the singing, the dancing, oh, whatever. Yeah, so there whatever. is
0: some good parts to religion, and it is called community. Because you meet some. Don't say that. Because we
1: can. Don't even... I know, okay. So. Well, no, you might have had a different community. Yeah. Back, you know, you had several of them. So... Yeah, I
0: had several. And I, throughout the years, there's some things that I wouldn't have missed out. There is something funny about being in church with some certain people. <laughs> And the things they say, the things they do, looking back. So I had something to look back on and say, yeah, how did we even believe that?
1: Is there any of the people that I I, I would know from back then that you enjoyed? You don't got to name them, but Mm. just, is there, because I remember the church in Spiral. The church
0: in Spiral, very small. You know, there was only a few of us. Yeah, But yeah, uh, even before that, so not really. You know, at that time, remember i kind of started going to that church because you know that's where my grandmother was going and then she got to the point to where you know her health didn't allow her, her to go and i remember so when we would go over there on sunday you didn't want to go to church and so you guys would end up being on the floor playing with your legos mm-hmm. that brought her so much joy
1: and the little animals
0: so i let her look forward to that and i would suffer through going to church but
1: um i remember one thing I remember about that church in Spyro is, is while I remember this sound nasty. I picked one of the biggest boogers and I ate it. Yeah. And that, I was so I okay the, with that.
0: That was I could see that happening. That, that.
1: what so <laughs> What is that? Why do our kids do it? Well I, I and I guess it's well, I'm trying to think. Are, are you you know are you just trying to get rid of it? Or you don't have nowhere to put it? I don't know. Cause you want me to tell you something nasty so when i was cooking the other day and i just did this without thinking i cut my finger and i put my finger in my mouth automatically and i started sucking the blood and i mm. had to think like wait i'm a little bit too old i think to have that reaction
0: right then and there i probably would have did the same thing if i couldn't stop and
1: get right. it real quick so, but at the same time, that is blood. You just cut it. You know, it ain't. It's
0: your blood, so whatever.
1: But it's my booger too.
0: Yeah, that's nasty. Cut that out. We're gonna cut, cut this that, out. Okay. we to right. that.
1: Yeah. So I just wanted to. I just. But wanted,
0: all kids eat boogers. By the way. Oh no! Or either they put them on the wall.
1: Let's not. Let's not limit it to kids. I didn't look to my right and saw a grown no. professor. Yes. <laughs> oh no! They just dig it. I'm and I, I'm. I'm doing a case study. I'm like what's happening right now? You are in the car like you're not in traffic, your I windows aren't tinted, and you sitting here just picking it.
0: I know. I think I did see that once. Must and have been the same guy. You said
1: once. This is, this is not... I, <laughs> I, I had some friends in college that I had to... I, I'm just like, I thought we were similar. <laughs> uh, you know, we we hooping and you end up just digging in your nose like ain't nothing going on, but <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a uh, just one of my... I don't know. One of our things that we don't do, but Plenty of people do it. But yeah, so back to the question. It's just, you know, uh, so you say you enjoyed the people most out of this journey. Is there anything else maybe? Like, because, you know, we got into our, like, uh, I don't know what to call it, but we were really studying, I'll say, scripture and trying to interpret it. So there was never a time where you just liked reading just to be reading or anything like that?
0: Huh. You know, I did a lot of studying, but I don't know if it was just for enjoyment. Yeah. Um, You know, I wish I could say that there was, uh, no. um, A lot of mine was just muscle memory or I had been trained as a child to do these things. And so once I came out of the freedom of not having to do them, but then feeling like, well, maybe I need to go back to the way I was raised.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. uh, It was just strictly, um, you know, memory. Um, This is, because in religion, what religion is, it's just about doing stuff. Um, you don't have to really, it's the same thing over and over and over and over again. Um, so, it's just muscle memory is what I call it. You know, you get up, you get dressed, you go, you know, you say a few things, you pray, you sing, you come home. Mm-hmm. It's not that much to it. And... um so i i want to say it was just it was routine
1: for Mm -hmm. me so and i know i don't know if you're getting a little bit tired but i'm gonna ask you one more question about the religion journey now where you at now looking back what would what would you personally do different if you could if you had you know not a i don't know what to call it but if you just had your way how would you do things how would you want to run a church or how if, if it don't include running the church, how would you want to spread this message? How do you, yeah, just whatever,
0: you know, I've heard some speeches and I want to say, maybe it was one of the speeches by uh, Denzel Washington or someone,
1: mm-hmm.
0: maybe not him, but anyway, it, it might be,
1: I've heard him talk about God a lot.
0: It was something about, I wish I had known this when I was young. And I think about, could I have heard this at that age did I have too many distractions because what I have to share now really is life changing and I wish I had somebody that would have just almost sit me down and just said you know you're not leaving this room until you really hear what I'm saying because this is life changing uh... this is going to make your life better it's not that I'm trying to keep you from dealing with some of the struggles or pitfalls But Because you're going to have those. Because life is going to come at you no matter what you believe. Life is coming. It's going to knock on your door and sometimes knock you on your ass. So it's coming. Just because you get to know who you are and know who God is, life does not stop happening. And sometimes life is very difficult. Mm -hmm. But what happens when you are when you know God and that's the thing the message I would want to share with people first is really get to know the character of God we've made it so difficult so if you can get to know the character of God and who he is and what he thinks about you nothing but love and That helps you start to know who you are, and then you start to see others different. And you go, you don't see people sometimes like you would normally judge people that maybe be down and out and go, they're not even trying to do anything. You don't know their story. But when you don't know the love of God, you don't care about knowing their story. You just want to judge them. But once you know the love of God and that he loves all of us, you might wanna stop and know that person's story. So you might be able to help them and care for them in some kind of way, mm-hmm. even if it's just to listen for a moment or two. Uh, but knowing the character of God changes everything.
1: And how did you how did you do that personally?
0: So what started this, Part of my journey was I was sitting in church one day and um, there was this teaching from the book of Matthew that said how we must love God. It was a command. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, um, you know, try to love him, you know, do your best. It was a command. When was this? Do it. This was uh, about two years ago. Okay. And um, so I'm sitting there thinking... That's a command. That's not uh, a recommendation. And so I thought, how am I going to be, how can I love God like this? It says to love him with everything.
1: But before that, that was cool, though.
0: Yeah. That day, it hit me different. It for hit me what, different.
1: Why do you think? Like, was it just one of those, It, it for whatever reason? I feel like when it happens to me, something I was already, uh, Like, something had to be going. Like, I realized something today. And I guess I would just say it it was a product of timing. And I don't know how to describe that. So I like that. Yeah, And
0: perhaps that was. I wish the timing had been a lot sooner. Um, I don't think I was bold enough uh, to challenge things that were taught from the pulpit. You know, the pastor is the pastor. He's the teacher. He is the enlightened one. Who am I sitting out here in the on the pew thinking that I can question what my teacher is is teaching. He was teaching that so, but I had a problem with it that day. And so (laughs) I wasn't gonna be passive anymore. And I had decided that this time, I'm gonna be authentic, Mm -hmm. whatever that looks like. This part of my journey is going to be real. And if it means challenging everything that I have been believing, then that's what we're gonna do. I am not gonna go the rest of my life pretending that I understand what he just said, that it made sense to me, and this is just the way things are, and if I don't understand, that's my problem. No, that's the wrong answer for me now. And it's not the answer that, you know, it's gonna happen, it's progressive. Well, I've been at this for almost 60 years, and it hasn't happened
1: what hasn't happened
0: that i've known the love of god and that i've been able to love him with all of myself mm-hmm. I, that has not happened for me and um, like i said he read this from the bible it wasn't a recommendation it was a command it's something that said love the lord and if you if you can't get that right then the rest of it you can just forget that's not even try to do any of the other rules
1: how come you didn't feel like you loved God with all your heart? And I'm saying that because anybody else in the church would have heard that and because they were sitting in church or because they, you know, were doing their best, they, you know, either were reading the Bible, they would have felt like, okay, you know, it's it's hard when you say something like a phrase, love God with all your heart, because you start with even just, you know, it's 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 a saying, so it's hard to feel that, but that's why you kind of mm. just assume that you are. Okay. So Well,
0: the only thing that I can probably use to compare loving something with all my heart would be my babies. Mm. When a mom first has her baby mm. and that mom would, when she says that she would stand in front of a bullet or fight a bear, <laughs> mm-hmm. she would really do that. Yeah. yeah, that's love. You will do anything to protect that child. And that's just natural. Nobody has to build that up in you. That is the most natural thing for a mom to do is to love and care for her baby. Uh, So, and I knew I didn't even have that type of love for God, Um, but I wanted to be real about it because I knew if he had asked me to do that, that it was possible, but I didn't know how it was possible. But I can remember some of the things I learned early in church was if God did ask you to do something, he also made provisions. And I thought, well, what was the provision that he made for me to be able to love him? And the answer to every question is Jesus. I said, some way through Jesus, he's made it possible for me to love him the way I'm supposed to. Mm -hmm. And so that is what started that journey. And One day I had an aha moment, the light came on, an an encounter with God, something happened to me one day when I was told that my heart was not wicked and evil and deceitful. That's why I could never reconcile this love for God because I'm told on one hand that I am a sinner and by nature I am a sinner and I have an evil heart, it's deceitful. And I'm thinking, well, if my heart is deceitful, how will I ever know that I love God? Mm-hmm. So it's like they were speaking out of both sides of their mouth. Mm-hmm. It just didn't make any sense. And so I just went on this search. I'm gonna find out for myself how I can love God. And I start talking to God and I start praying about, you know, God, all this other stuff I believe about you, all these rumors I believe about you. I. Can we just get rid of those? And will you allow the Holy Spirit to start teaching me about you and what it is I need to know about you so that I can love you? How can I have this love for you and I don't really even know you? I know what I've been told about you and it just has always been based on fear. Mm -hmm. I've never loved you from a place of love but it's always been out of fear. So um, when I um, started to know that he was good, that God is good, He is love. He doesn't hate me. He's not mad at me. He's not disappointed in me. That I truly am the apple of His eye. How All did you of His kids that? are. I had never realized that. No, I'm
1: saying, how did you?
0: I. It, it took uh, getting rid of some of the thoughts. I had about him before like this teaching that had been taught in um, my religion is that we have dirty hearts filthy hearts mm-hmm. and we're deceitful and so that's why I could never you know this math didn't make sense to me how's it gonna add up to me loving God and my heart is deceitful
1: but did you say something did you read something
0: I, I did read something and I also heard something I start listening to some other voices, and uh, this one guy in particular, his whole thing was teaching people about their clean heart. You are not by nature a sinner, that you are the child of God.
1: And that was so counter from what you had been hearing. Yes. It was like, you know, your ears. Yes,
0: this was totally different. And it was like, you do not have a dual personality. You are not sinner and saint. You are not bad and good. You are the essence of God. You are good and sometimes you act bad, but your actions are not your identity. And that's what I had to get away. All these years, I was how I acted. And so I was always on this performance-based identity and that no longer held true to me. I am not how I act. I am who I am because God says who I am. Mm -hmm. and uh, I mean, it was like, really, uh, weights lifted off of my shoulders. My mind became light and I could breathe. And it was like, oh my God, I know who God is and I know who I am. And I could, this love, it was just like a circle. It just didn't end. It was just, we were together And the more I started growing in that direction, the less I cared about all that garbage that I had been taught as a kid. And that's what it became. It's like, oh, that was really garbage. And and it's almost criminal in my mind at some of the stuff that's taught today. And uh, so that began my journey, Mm -hmm. is knowing really who God is, his character. And if you can ever understand that God is good, he is love, even when they talk about the wrath of God, wrath from God is love. Wrath is only God getting rid of all that bad stuff out of your life. He burns it away. He doesn't like anything that hurts you. Just like a mom doesn't like anything that hurts her child. It may seem like she's being mean by removing a friend out of your life that she can see mm-hmm. is detrimental. Mm-hmm. You can't see that. Not at all. But she can. And she will remove that. And you're going to think, my mom is, hey, she's kind of mean.
1: And you don't understand. Like, yeah. you know, I that's, you know, I, I felt like that before. But I can, I 100% know what you're coming from.
0: Yeah. And, and so that's like God. You know, he is a good father. He can see things that we can't. And... Sometimes, you know, we got to get our head bumped, but, um, uh, he is never doing the bumping. Mm. Now he will allow us to get our head bumped, but he's not the one bumping it. That's the big difference. And before I believed he was the one bumping my head. So we had a kind of, that's a bad relationship. I felt like God was abusive and, uh, I feel
1: like you could almost argue where that line is drawn between him letting you bump it your head and him bumping it because if is he if he's in full control
0: that's another subject right. That's another talk
1: but, but i really wanted to ask you this so boom okay so because i asked you earlier uh was there a part of the christian journey that you just enjoyed that you fell in love with and you know you named a few things that you liked but i'm looking at the whole journey like
0: Mm-mm. i was addicted
1: okay oh okay highly addicted you going through the motions and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Okay, Highly so. addicted.
0: And, you know, on any given Sunday, like people are addicted to watching football. Mm-hmm. I was addicted to watching Christian television. So I let them throw... I'm sitting here sometimes listening to six hours.
1: I feel like you got to enjoy part of it, though, to be addicted.
0: There was some animation going on. Like, I used to love to watch a certain pastor because he was so animated. And he could really.
1: Shout him out. Who are
0: you talking about? Oh, you know I'm talking about T.D. Shout out T.D. Jakes. <laughs> I mean, he was, it was pretty exciting watching him. And yeah. so, and I think he did some good for some communities because he was all about some self-help. But uh, it was very unhealthy that I would watch about six hours of this Christian uh, programming. Mm -hmm. It was looking back a big waste of my time.
1: Does it feel nostalgic now? Like, does it not? If if you were just to let the program run now and just walk around the house and clean, it don't feel good. Mm
0: -mm, I can't do it. Wow. I've tried to turn on even Christian radio from time to time, which I don't listen to Christian radio anymore because. It's just
1: I feel like it's, it's uh, hard.
0: It's, it's, it's like symbols really just clanging. It's noise when
1: I hear Christian radio, because where I'm at now, it, that's the uh, radio station that because 1027 is okay. so uh, it'll just come on. And it sounds extremely creepy. It sounds like if we were all about to be rounded up to go to war and it's like given commands like, oh, the apocalypse yeah. the radio show sounds like that
0: it's scary and mm.
1: but so what i was saying is because i feel like for you to rip out of that situation that mindset the tradition you had to be at some level of frustration so right before you found that god's character is more Oh, you're not a sinner. You're actually free. And before that point, what was the frustration like? Or was there any like what were? do you remember what you were fighting with? Mm -hmm. Do you remember how you felt like listening to like how was that part right before the breakthrough?
0: It was probably some building off of uh, an addiction that I was dealing with. And I had been praying and asking uh, for deliverance Mm -hmm. and uh, deliverance wasn't coming. And I thought I felt like I had done everything right. Mm-hmm. Did you want to say something? I mean, was
1: this a peak? Like, was this a peak desperation? Like, look, I'm about to pray one last time. Was it one of those situations? Or was it still a little bit mild where it was like, man, I'm going to keep trying this and keep trying that. It ain't working. And
0: Honestly, I had checked out. I had really checked out and said, you know what? This ain't working for me. And so... About, it's almost five years ago that my husband said, Hey, I know this guy. You know, they got a church. They invited us. You want to go? And I really didn't want to go. I had really checked out, I was done with religion. And um, so, because it wasn't working for me. I mean, I had hit rock bottom. And they had programs at church they were drinking coffee and eating donuts and i was dying (laughs) and so i'm like i don't know they tell you to pray and i prayed i cried i mean honestly i went in my closet and prayed i closed the door i did everything that i thought that i could do to get the attention of god Mm -hmm. and certainly he saw my desperation and then he still wasn't helping me in my mind he wasn't helping me so This this thing is not working. So if I'm going to be broken, I don't want to be around these people because it's not working. (laughs) Um, So, but I went.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And so one of the things that was refreshing about this group of people, and it it was timing. That particular day, they were not in a church Mm. building. They were out in the community, and they were serving a breakfast to uh, a homeless community. And they were treating these people like they were special because they had, they had this great breakfast. They didn't just throw something together. They had it set up, and it was nice. And I thought, hmm, that's different. And they didn't stand to gain anything from this community. This community didn't have anything to give back to them. Uh, they didn't have money to donate and they just did that out of the, their hearts. And I was like, wow. So that was the hook, but we should never have a hook that, but that was a hook for me that snagged me that day.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And that's not good.
1: So were you, were you mad at churches? Yes. For a specific reason, like, because for you to say, Hey. These people are actually outside helping. Did you feel like churches weren't helping the communities? Was that a problem for you? Like, Not that you didn't notice it, but was that an actual problem for you that they weren't helping communities? Even and though they, the churches probably were, they it's not were. in the same way.
0: Not in the same way. But and was this a thing that stuck out? That's the thing that some of the things that did stick out is like, you could go to some of these churches and they'll send money over to Africa, but they wouldn't want an African sitting next to them.
1: I got you. Uh,
0: and you could you could feel that yeah. inside the church. Got you. Yeah. And so uh, I never let people that would say, you know, it's too many hypocrites in church. That's why I don't go. That didn't work for me. Um, you know, there's lots of things that can be a reason for people not to participate in organized. Religion Mm -hmm. and uh, there's lots of reasons to participate, but The one reason I had stopped participating is because I started to see right through it It just something was wrong, but I didn't know what it was Mm -hmm. something about what I was believing was not right And it had created inside of me a lot of discomfort a lot of confusion and I knew that in itself is wrong Uh, I shouldn't feel that way about something that is supposed to be good. And I didn't want to share it. I think that was the big telltale about me, is that this is not something I wanted to pour into my children. And why was that? Because it hadn't let me live the life that I thought was so great that I wanted to pass on to my children. I was more in tune with uh, what people would call worldly things, like uh, getting a good education would be better than this religion over here. Uh, so, I, uh, yeah, I was very confused about what it is that I believed and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. If someone said, how's it working for you? I would say, well, it doesn't work. Um, so I must be doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. It's gotta be me. I must be doing something wrong. And so we ended up, you know, started going to this particular, church and so honestly i was just waiting for this pastor to mess up i was like he gonna mess up <laughs> i'm waiting mm-hmm. and that's gonna be my out yeah because i'm not right at this point i'm not going to tolerate anything my you mean mess
1: up in a big way or just like on scripture or something?
0: scripture once he asked me for some money or he said something i was waiting i was waiting i was waiting and when he did I was out the door, because I'm not getting ready to go through this again. But, you know, as far as I could tell, you know, it's like, I think this is, this guy is okay. I think his heart is in the right place. I didn't agree with everything he taught, but I really thought he had a good heart. Yeah. And um, so, I just hung around for a little bit, and um, I, I met some really nice people, And I really enjoyed uh, being around people uh, more so than I used to. And so that was good. I was starting to see some changes in me. But then the biggest change came when I thought, I can't do this church anymore because I don't don't agree with what they're teaching. So how can I sit and listen to something on a regular basis and not feel like I need to challenge him every time he talks? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's not what I'm supposed to be doing, yeah. but how do I participate in this community now? And I don't agree with what's being taught. Mm-hmm. What do I do?
1: Yeah, that's a tough one, because obviously, you know, I mean, you don't want to look, you don't want to be looked at like just leaving that type of situation. It's it's not a, it's just not any type of good way to, to leave it. But yeah.
0: So I feel like in a way it's time for me to come out of the closet. It's time to let them know that I am going through a process of deconstruction. That I can't just sit back and not let you guys know who I am. Hmm. And who I am is someone that disagrees with your core teachings here. They're incorrect. To me, Mm -hmm. they keep people in bondage, and I believe in freedom. Um, And Jesus said that's what he come to do. He come to set us free. And if you're not feeling freedom, you're in bondage. And um, so I just basically disagree with most of the teachings where I attend church now, and I don't think that's... You know, a good relationship.
1: So now where you're at, you enjoying it way more, just just solo journey, studying on your own. Is that kind of where you at? Or how do you how do yeah? How you so doing? my
0: life is different. It is way different. I have so much my relationship with God is like I got to the point to where I I call him daddy it's just like I'm talking to my dad in the morning and it's special because he gave that back to me because I never had that relationship with uh, a man and now I've got okay dad this is what's going on and I talk to him about everything you know sometimes it's like early in the morning um, you know my day is really light because I don't have all the heaviness heaviness of the world or religion on my shoulders anymore so it's really light it's a great conversation uh we can talk about anything and i can tell him about you know just some of the things that i'm i'm dealing with as a person and ask him for advice and i'm always like you know i know that you know everything so can you help me have some insight here or if i'm dealing with a particular person that i don't like to be honest and say you know i don't like her and So, and God says, that's okay. Just don't go out of your way to to do anything to that person. And if you can't be around that person because you don't like them, then don't be around them. But do not go out of your way to bring harm to that person. Mm. So, um, yeah, so just great conversation. And I feel like he's always showing me in a very kind way. He reveals something about me that we are getting rid of. Mm. And um, so that's always interesting because you think that you've made some progress, but you just don't realize how much stuff has been crammed mm-hmm. into you until you're starting to unpack it. and I feel the
1: same way. Yeah I feel like I'm instead of I don't look at it, whether I am or not, you know, I could say, oh, I got some new shoes." And that's technically an addition, but the mo- how I think about most things now, is that I'm deleting or I'm removing or I'm, it's just like I'm, even if it's a thought, it's I'm having to be like, oh, like, where did this come from? And kind of dig it up and throw it out. And that's becoming who I am. It's like a, a more refined person yeah, in my thought. So uh, to end it, this is, so now how do you feel? And anybody can do what they want. But how do you feel like it's one of the the best ways to apply or utilize the Christian religion or the Bible, all of that? How do you feel like what's the best way for anybody to take advantage?
0: So. I. um, We made this thing more difficult than it has to be. It really is just about being able to live life now. Uh, and I think that's the way God designed us. We are to to live life now. We don't have to wait till we die and go to heaven to have a better life. We can have a better life now. Uh, so I know a lot of people um, live their life based off what's in the Bible. But what I have discovered is most of us... Um, don't even know how to read the Bible. We read it from a standpoint of, I don't know, gathering information and trying to apply it to our life or something. But, you know, um, that's, we, that's one thing I can, I can recommend. Just look into trying to figure out how you should read the Bible. There's different parts of the Bible. It's written different ways. It's sometimes written to a certain audience. It's not even talking to you. And yet you try to go and pull something out of the Old Testament or New Testament and, and apply it to your life um, based on a culture 2,000 years ago. Yeah, that doesn't work. So <laughs> go and get educated on how do I read this Bible? And you will find it will change your life just knowing how to read the Bible.
1: So is this, is this more of an adult, uh, like you know they call? Uh, college, like higher learning, it's it's these are some principles aren't made for kids, right? They just it's it's not really you can't understand the no. I think de- a
0: child will probably understand it quicker than an adult. The Bible, mm-hmm.
1: how if they can't read it though?
0: Well, once they can read it and they know how to read it, and
1: but what age I'm saying does that uh-huh. come where you can start actually? Cause I feel like you have to have some type of life you have to have some type of experience to... well
0: this is where the point I'm at and this will make all Christians cringe I don't need the Bible what I do need is Jesus and that's a big difference because Jesus is living inside of me mm. um, the Bible has been a good tool for me and I'm, I'm thankful for it but I can live without the Bible I cannot live without Jesus now i know the bible is part of the reasons i know about jesus and maybe i would still know about him but maybe not by the name jesus so um yeah the bible is is a good tool Mm
1: -hmm.
0: however it is not the word jesus is the living word that lives inside of us and so um, i think we have made the bible um, an idol, that it's God, the Bible, and then Jesus. And that's not true. Um, no.
1: So to cap it off, and I, I'll try to, I, I was thinking about it, I wanted to ask you just, we use the word God so much, and God is probably, I'll, it might be the most used word, maybe not in the world But even if it's in a different language, I wonder if it's the most popular go-to description of what people are trying to describe. And that's kind of where I want to ask is, what do you think everybody is trying to describe when they say God? And I don't know if you Mm. off-rip, do you got something?
0: I think for sure it's a higher power. Uh, But for me...
1: Can I stop? Yeah. Let me just get Absolutely. real, real, because this is the end of the podcast. So I'm gonna get real, real. Just say what I. Okay. Yeah. Say 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 what's on my mind. So like, even when you say higher power, I want to break that down because people by power, I don't even know what you mean by power. Power is kind of hard to. Mm-hmm. Think about. You.
0: So I think they're saying when when that term is used, it means it's something. Higher than me.
1: But what is power? Above without, me. without higher or lower, what is power in everyday language? What are you talking about when you say power? I can't show you power right now.
0: Right. Something that is more, that is above me. Uh, that I am not the one that's making everything happen. Um, I think that's what they make reference to. And again, now that you're trying to make... Us break it down; it is complicated. I think we say things without even thinking them through. We don't even know probably what we are saying when we say a ha- higher power.
1: But Which is when not I good say, if we don't know what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah,
0: right. It's, it comes out of uh, you know just hearing things over and over. We've heard that before, you know. But I know what I mean when I when I say it. I'm talking about God, my Creator. Uh, uh, we, t- we
1: talked about this a little bit. Even Creator.
0: Yeah. Just who, who who created everything, the creator of everything from, you know, um, everything you can think of. He is the creator. Um,
1: you know, I, I'll probably stop right there because we're gonna end up talking about Genesis yeah. or something. Yeah,
0: so yeah. But for me, I do believe there's never been a separation between man and God because I do not believe we can sustain ourselves. So this teaching that we are separated from God. I think is incorrect. I think we are always connected to God because without him, we could not exist.
1: Do you have a theory on how he created everything?
0: No, I do not have a theory.
1: So, um, so, so what makes taken... you think he created everything then?
0: That comes from just probably my traditional teaching uh, growing up that God was the creator of everything. I do believe that whatever created me created everything. Um, that I don't believe that this just happened, um, because
1: yeah. But even saying just happened, there's a big gap between something just happening and it being created. There's you know there's so many things in between. Like I think
0: what? God can blink his eye, and it can exist. Honestly, that's the kind I think He is. Just, he's so much bigger but do you than get the that glimpse from? we have. I, it's something in me that I think it's in all of us. And once we start to know and, and understand the character of God, uh, you get these little glimpses of, wow. And I do believe that if he thinks it, it's like that. It's, it's not like us where, you know, our creative juices flow. Do you
1: believe we, in aliens?
0: I don't necessarily know that much about that. Um,
1: but think, see, and think about the difference in responses right there and how you think about it. Yeah. We talking about two totally, and I know I used the word aliens and that can mean something very practical like an mm-hmm. alien coming to this country, but I'm talking about the outer space, p- pictures we've seen mm-hmm, through mm-hmm. cartoons and movies. Mm-hmm you automatically deny aliens but you have so much hope and uh belief that someone yeah created this whole thing that like if i ask you one thing about mars
0: i don't know anything about mars
1: and it's like do you really realize what we're talking about and this is why this would be like one of his favorite, because he starts getting like sciency. We talking about we didn't we didn't got all the way to the Big Bang, not not the Big Bang, but but yeah. So we can, and we can wrap it up here just because you know I'll start being repetitive asking the same thing. But you see what I'm saying? Yes. Where You have like,
0: and I don't have. Uh, so what I can do now is recognize my limitations, and one of them is to be able to to talk at that level, especially when you start getting into the the science part of our creation um yeah i'm gonna have to back down from that
1: which this would be a this would be an ongoing discussion that's why i kind of wanted to end it like that just because it's ending it mm open-endedly and so and it's one of the questions i always that's kind of what i'm trying to Mm -hmm. uh figure out myself you know i always i'm asking like what what is it that everyone is talking about uh when they talk about God, or and you know, it's it's often related to finding them their best selves, living their. I hate to sound like Joel Osteen. Shout out to Joel, real quick. But yeah, living, you know, they everybody's trying to find God so they can be a better person, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, in this world. So I'm just always kind of questioning, what is your idea like? Why do you feel like? And you know it yeah yeah and i can go on and on because it's always like just people have so many different versions of what they're talking about and if you look at their life they can say they're getting their enjoyment from god but they they're, they're honestly getting their enjoyment from some other aspect of their life whether it be their partner or whether it be their craft with the, you know they're working 12 hours a day on this project that's what's giving them life that's why they feel einstein i don't know much about him but i'm saying those people who come up with these, these scientific theories. They're in their books, you know, like. But, so
0: what you're talking about is the connectivity. Because once you're connected and you recognize your connectivity to not just God, but all of us are connected. And, you know, that's why you say you can get your enjoyment from your partner. Because we're connected. And, um, And that just that god is a part of that connection his sweet love for all of us his kindness and so he wants us to get enjoyment from another person he really does and that's good um yeah so it's it's us being connected that's the good thing and that's what i really believe we are all connected so Just think if we ever woke up one day and said, you know what? Everything I do is from a place of love. I'm not going to work toward love, but it's from a place of love. I'm going to be kind to you. That person's going to be kind. Just think of the domino effect that circle has. If everybody does that, loves that day, there will be no evil that day. Because we all worked from a place of love.
1: So you just saying walk around, and be nice to everybody.
0: Be kind, uh, but do not do anything that would bring harm to another person, even that, if that means refraining or being away from that person, but just from a place of love. And you can only do that when you encounter that love with God. And it will it can happen. I mean if you, if you honestly have conversations with God and say God, I don't know what this love is. I don't understand it. Uh, Can you help me? I wanna love you. I wanna know what it means for you to love me. I wanna experience this life you've been talking about now. I don't wanna experience it when I die and go to heaven or whatever, but is it possible for me to experience your love and knowing about you right now? If that is possible, help me do that. If it means taking blinders off, take these blinders off so I can see, so I can hear, and I want to experience that. I believe that'll happen for you because he's not trying to hide from us. He's not trying to disconnect from us. He wants us to experience his love now.
1: I think that's a good way to end it. So uh, I was just about to ask, even Jesus, though, you think he was nice every day?
0: No. No. So that's what I'm saying. He, nice does not, being nice does not mean not knowing who you are. Sometimes you don't can't be nice to people. It's, nice is not the answer right there. Because even as a, a person that knows who I am, God loves me, I love God. But if you try to harm a family member, I will still blow you away. <laughs> love you, yeah. but you got to go.
1: Yeah. Okay. So yeah. it
0: doesn't mean you let down your guard And let people treat you any kind of way No that's not what that means
1: I remember having those little wristbands Saying what would Jesus do right. I used to like those
0: Wrong question It's what did Jesus do No it's what did Jesus What has Jesus done Because he has done it all
1: play? Like, what, what, what would I do That's where I'm at What, what would I do
0: Exactly
1: Because we
0: can't do what we think jesus would do but jesus has already done it all yeah. he's done it all
1: okay that was a great welcome to the sharing me i don't even want to call it a podcast because you don't you never know what it's gonna turn into but that was a great first episode and hopefully everybody enjoyed that man we got a lot more coming and uh is there any any way you want to end we're
0: gonna end it with a song
1: Oh my God! I almost forgot our song. So we gon' we'll dedicate each episode. We'll we'll give a song that we either feel we just we just like. Basically, it can be new, old. Uh, I got a song for this week that I'll give to the listeners. Y'all make sure y'all go check it out if if y'all want to and enjoy. I'll let you uh introduce your song first. I don't know what you brought this week. Okay. What what, what you feeling this week? What so you me?
0: I've had two songs. Going on in my head all week, too. Okay. One of them, you know, I really wasn't going to bring to the table today, but this is not the song, but it was a song by Beyonce. Okay. So, I've been doing a little Zumba to Cuff. and I, really... I had
1: two, too, so I might match okay. you.
0: So, I've been really liking that song and trying to learn how to do the dance, of course.
1: You want to play it on the speaker or no?
0: Um, you no. Know, okay. Okay. Little
1: bit of, I do want to hear it though, so that's oh, okay. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, so you don't have to play it. I think it's called Cuff It.
1: Oh, this is a new song off her new album? Yeah, okay. I didn't, I didn't listen to her, her new album, but that sounds like a very a new okay. Beyonce song.
0: Like I said, this song was is, is my gym song, mm. and typically, um, I'll have a song that gets me motivated for being in the gym, and 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 Cuff It is, is that song for me right now. <laughs>
1: so do you uh do you usually you like listen to the same song on repeat or yes. do you got a playlist
0: no i don't have a playlist
1: you're a repeat type of person
0: yeah the other song that yeah. has been in my head you're not
1: gonna save it for the next one
0: but this wasn't really the song okay go ahead. this is so the song it's an old song actually came out in 1989 and it's by a group called soul to soul I did a little back check on that song. That song was designed to be, I'm going to try to say this word, a acapella, mm. without just them singing the song, which I bet was probably really beautiful. Then somebody decided to put that music to it.
1: And why was that? Was it supposed to be like a, a national anthem this type was, of thing? No,
0: I don't know. This was not going to be like the big song on what back then was called an album. Mm -hmm. I think it was going to be just a song added on there. And I think it turned out to be like their number one song.
1: Mm. Yeah. So. Okay. So. All right. So I'm excited for my song just because like I started to explain to you, I felt like how I view Lil Wayne in my generation. He was one of those by far my favorite rapper. I can't say by far, but. I don't even know how to describe him. That's how big I feel like Lil Wayne is. Now, this guy I'm about to introduce. Now, his name—he goes by the name of ESTG, and it's—it's. It's, I'm gonna just let you listen to it, but I'm excited to see what other people think about him when they—if you know—if it's their first time listening, just how he raps, the energy you get from the song because it's—it's it's a very—it's—it's it's, it's a rap song. So the beat is—I uh, don't know if you're familiar with like. What people mean when they describe trap music but it's like it's it's fast paced uh it's not too different from the rap you hear now it's just heavy bass and everything like that but anyway estg while comparing to lil wayne is because you know when people listen to, to rap and stuff like that uh, y'all probably don't relate to it like this but you get that toughness like they look for i look for toughness i want to see you know because rap that's kind of yeah. what
0: that whole persona
1: yeah, yeah yeah and it's just it's cool to hear it mm-hmm. and when it sounds authentic and that's what i'm getting with this it just he's one of those guys where he's putting out those verses now i'm not saying he's right them or he's the guy but that's where the tough music is at right now that's what i'll say yeah whereas when in my generation you go back and listen to t.r or lil wayne i feel like and there's a lot of momentum behind it so and i'm gonna play just his first verse just so you can get a feel, and I, I kinda wanna know what you think too. But this is ESTG, DJ Drama just released a, uh, a tape with this guy named French Montana, and this is off their album. I know I'm saying a, a bunch of names, but there's some people out there who will be familiar. So, DJ Drama. And this is like you said, like that, that song that motivates you in the gym. This is kind of, for whatever reason, has been like my theme song. That just kind of you know when I want to play something get some energy going. I remember
0: Little Wayne and it wasn't just black people's uh, black people selling out his concerts.
1: Oh no, uh, most of them are white. Yeah,
0: so that was to me a trip.
1: Oh yeah. And well, uh, that's going back to the point where I say like people. It just I'm not trying to say when I listen to it that I feel like I'm tough now, but I'm just saying that's why. I, I think people a lot of people listen to rap. It's just because it's a lot of people are talking you know a lot of that. It's raw. Violent stuff yeah. that we're not necessarily a part of yeah, but it's it's an amusement just like a movie is mm-hmm. and you know so
0: mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know that I would like a rapper that's not
1: there's top. Some good I ones. think
0: it comes you know, I kind of like if I'm gonna listen to rap yeah um, it goes together. Yeah.
1: Often, I'll say that.
0: Yeah, so...
1: There are definitely some good sadder and happier rappers out there, but that's what I'm saying. Like, happy rap doesn't sound as good because you got to think, rap... When most people rap, they, they rap in fast. Some people rap slow, but rapping fast is more in common with aggression, more intense, the energy's up. Even if you think about it in wavelengths, aggression is very up and down and fast and like more slower you got so anyway that's my song for the week shout out to ESTG shout out to Soul to Soul and shout out to Beyonce because I was going to play a, a Jay-Z song but I
0: <gasps> oh my god yeah I'll,
1: I'll save it for next week because that's definitely my theme song now okay uh, that's cool but yeah so any last things you want to add to the end of this
0: well just um, be free